You are listening to Finding Psychotherapy with me, Carla Vakoisa. In this series, I'll be speaking to a range of highly experienced mental health practitioners, asking them to explain in simple terms what they do, how they do it, and why is it therapeutic. I would also be asking them to give you a few tips of when to seek support, and when you do, how to find what's right for you. This is a podcast to help us think about mental health, what it means, and how we can begin to navigate this complicated, often mysterious and fascinating world. In this episode, I have asked the very experienced Daniel Maria, who is a senior CBT therapist and lecturer, who has spoken to us about CBT therapy, to return and talk to us about the different roles there are amongst mental health practitioners. In this episode, I will also take the opportunity to ask Daniel his view on the very topical and at times controversial subjects of medication and diagnoses in mental illness. Daniel, thank you for coming back to Finding Psychotherapy to talk to us. Today is a departure from CBT therapy and a chance to clarify some aspects within the mental health realm. I know that in conversations, I often hear about psychotherapists, counsellors, psychologists, psychiatrists, clinical psychologists, just to name a few. But I feel that what they do and how they differ can be hard to grasp. Could you help me shed some light on this? What are the differences? So I I really, this is very confusing for for, Mm. for, for people I know. And it's uh, finding the right therapist is a bit of a a minefield. I, I would recommend some of the articles that I, I wrote on neuroeffectivecbt.com. There are lots of free resources there. One of these articles is called CBT, What's All the Fuss About? And that talks about some of these issues that we mentioned here. And there was another one on, on a similar note that deals exactly with, with these issues. And it's, it's titled How to Best Confuse Yourself When You Are Already Stressed. So, Which is an excellent <laughs> article. I've read it. It's it's very good. Oh, I appreciate it. It's it just goes to show that we we expect people to arrive on our doorsteps, patients or clients, uh, knowing uh, what they actually want and what they're getting. But that the opposite seems to be the truth. Now, <clears throat> just to clarify some of these labels, psychiatrists are obviously medical doctors, and uh, they're going to medical. They're going to graduate medical school. They are trained in a variety of physiological and uh, psychiatric and psychopathological conditions, but they normally prescribe. They diagnose and they prescribe a pharmacological treatment. So they their focus is medication. Unless they're also accredited in CBT, unless they're also CBT therapists, as well as a psychiatrist, they are only trained to prescribe pharmacology. And you will have some very kind, willing psychiatrists, I know quite a few, who will be talking to you, but that's about your symptoms. But what they provide is mostly psychoeducation, psychological education. Mm. They're not really psychotherapists. So they'll just provide some common sense advice, psychological education, and a script, medication. They will also oversee your progress every month or every three months, depending on what kind of medication they prescribe. But what they actually need, a psychiatrist, to to ensure progress of their patient is a CBT um, therapist on board uh, or a clinical psychologist to engage with the patient uh, on a weekly basis and offer 
psychological treatment. And of course, feedback to the psychiatrist, progress or regress, so that he can adjust the medication accordingly. And that's something that I feel is so important is that a psychiatrist can work alongside a CBT therapist, um, yeah. a psychotherapist, a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, because their roles are different. Yes, the roles are different, but we should not work in isolation. Unfortunately, of course, CBT lends itself to, to, to this kind of work because it's psychological treatment. Psychiatrists rely on us to, to engage with, with, with their patients so, so that they can prescribe the, the correct medication or the correct level of a specific medication. But that's what psychiatrists uh, do. Psychological treatment is essentially offered in the care list only by a, an accredited an accredited CBT therapist, an accredited with BABCP, or a clinical psychologist who is also trained in CBT. Uh, clinical psychologists, they all get trained in, in, in CBT. And uh, it's, it's, it's a doctoral level program also. So, And what is a clinical psychologist in simple terms? In simple terms, it's, it's uh, a specialist training, highly advanced in, not in just psychology, First degree in psychology doesn't really, it's an academic training course, doesn't mean anything. You can call yourself a psychologist, but you can, uh, if you're just an ad, if you have a BA or a BSc, BA in psychology, you, you're not qualified to treat people. Mm. You're not a psychotherapist. So psychotherapists are, are, are trained therapists, specially trained therapists in uh, working, engaging, offering uh, talking therapy. Psychiatrists are not trained in talking therapists. Uh, neither are psychologists. Now, clinical psychologists, and we have a new breed called counseling psychologists over the last few years. Those are domains where a psychologist trained for a further four to five years to a doctoral level in uh, psychotherapy techniques, CBT, but not all. Mm. So they are qualified to to offer CBT as well. <clears throat> Some of them are also accredited with BABCP, but if you're a clinical psychology, by default, you're trained in CBT and you don't have to be accredited with BABCP. Although most of them nowadays, they get their accreditation just so, uh, just in order to offer that additional reassurance. So if you're looking for psychological treatment, then you need to go to a clinical psychologist uh, or a CBT therapist, psychotherapist. If you're looking for more generic type of counseling, then there are lots of different types of counselors there. It could be specific. There are bereavement counselors, right? And then you get support just for that. With your, there are addiction counselors, and then you get support just with your addiction in that sense. But again, um, there's no agreed hierarchy or terminology. Each of these domains have their own qualifications and their own associations, the only domain that's least regulated would be the domain of hypnotherapy, although mm. that's changing soon as well. Mm. And coaching, of course. In other mm. words, to become a coach, a neurolinguistic programmer, you can pretty much buy this uh, with all due respect, without offending anyone. But I've seen, you know, coaching diplomas being offered on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. It's you a know, different... So it's, 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 it's a bit of a different world. Um, yeah. Not to say that some coaches are not committed, are not passionate about what they're doing and really, really good at what they're doing. But and it can be very effective when the it, right people are doing. Yeah. 
Exactly. You know, in, in, in a variety of different domains, especially at work, for instance. Um, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's not treatment. Yeah. What I feel is really important about what you've been saying is that counselling, um, psychology, clinical psychology, they're all, there isn't a necessarily a hierarchy, and I feel that's often quite misunderstood. Um, they're just different. They're just, just different, different disciplines. And they can work yeah. alongside each other quite well Absolutely. If, if needed. If needed, yeah. So you can have a psychiatrist to monitor your medication every three months. You can have a CBT therapist or a clinical psychologist to, to work with you on a weekly basis on your, on your, say, depression levels. And at work, you can have an executive coach. Mm, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, all at the same time. You know, that there's, um, the, the, there's nothing wrong with all of this uh, personal development uh, work that tends to take uh, place. The one discipline that I think is bringing it all together, again, without blowing CBT's horn, but that's the reality, is it is cognitive behavioral therapy because we do have we're trained in pharmacology, we're trained in psychiatry and psychotherapy, we're, we're very competent when it comes to diagnosing a condition or, you know, eliminating a disorder or a condition. So we're very good at that. We're also very good at engaging psychotherapeutically offering talking therapy to our client as well as life coaching and helping the um, individual through a range of very thoroughly uh, planned behavioral programs uh, to improve uh, their ability, uh, their skills in various domains. So I would say that if you work with the right CBT therapist, then all of those domains should be taken care of apart from prescribing. We do not prescribe. But what and we do really we advise the yeah. psychiatrist domain only prescribing exactly. medicine yeah. is the big, the big yeah. difference because of the uh, uh, you know, background. Absolutely. Or the GP as well. So what we do uh, routinely is inform the GP that we have this patient and this patient is suffering from such and such condition. This is the evidence that we send a brief report and the scale that would back me up, back my diagnosis up. And the GP would then decide to follow our advice and prescribe some mild antidepressant in some cases. We do know, we're very familiar with the research. We're on top of these things on a regular basis. And we know, for instance, that in the case of severe cases of depression, SSRI medication coupled with CBT offers best results. That leads to an, another question that GPs, I mean, just to clarify a little bit the, the role of a GP. So are they trained healthcare, sort of mental health professionals? We have high expectations from our GP. We're, mm. The GP is the main port of call. That remains so uh, in, in the current legislation. GPs are the main care coordinators. However, it is important to know that GPs are not psychiatrically trained. So they cannot diagnose you with depression. Now, they, they know it's safe. And when they pick up on symptoms of depression, they might just decide to prescribe you a mild dose, which is harmless and can help you with certain symptoms of depression or anxiety even. Um, but you must remember that GPs are not psychiatrically trained. They're not psychotherapists. They're not able or, or willing to offer talking therapy. So at best, they will prescribe an antidepressant or some anti-anxiety um, medication and often SSRIs, which is a serotonin inhibitor 
known um, in the market as uh, cetraline, citalopram, escitalopram, fluoxetine, and so on. So they will often uh, prescribe one, a, a mild dose of one of those SSRIs in order to deal with depression and or anxiety symptoms. But, and then they will also recommend the CBT therapist in parallel with that. But that's how, that's as far as a GP can go without support from on-site from a psychiatrist or from a CBT therapist or, again, a clinical psychologist, uh, it's very difficult for them to do anything else when it comes to mental health symptoms. We shouldn't have that expectation of them. So I think of GPs as a point of contact. So if you're feeling something, you can go to your GP and that's absolutely right. And they can prescribe something because they are doctors. And if they feel that it's the right thing to do, they might well do that. But then from there, you should push or ask or to go and see someone who's actually going to be able to help you, who's trained to help you with mental health. Exactly. And also be willing, show some willingness to take that advice on board because a lot of people Mm. who, for instance, and unfortunately, mental illness sometimes gets in the way here as well. Some people who suffer from health anxiety, they constantly go to their GP for reassurance. And in fact, like I said, the GP is not trained in psychiatry or in psychotherapy. They cannot offer talking therapy. If they suggest to you, perhaps you might consider health anxiety and uh, or maybe you suffer from generalized anxiety disorder, maybe you should see a CBT therapist, I would take that on board rather than keep knocking on your GP's door is not going to take you very far and you're only going to frustrate yourself, uh, increase your, your helplessness sort of feelings and um, upset a lot of people in your local surgery as well because health anxiety is a nasty condition and people don't, they, they, they need reassurance quite often. Mm. So, so your GP is your first step um, yeah. in a process. It's not the end game. You don't go to your GP, get prescri- a prescription or a diagnosis, and that's the end of your Absolutely. dealing with mental health or your, whatever's going on for you. The way to see the GP is the main care coordinator. They're in charge mm. of coordinating your care. They, it's a point of referral. They refer you on to specialist services. Exactly. And you've touched on it briefly, but medication, what's your stance on that? Yeah, we don't. I, my stance is research again. Um, research is very clear. Medication is, uh, can help. Um, I, know, I know a lot of other schools of thoughts and a lot of other psychotherapists are quite against it. If we can help as psychotherapists, someone overcome their feelings and their symptoms without the help of medication, that would be ideal. But I also know that from clinical experience, as well as research, that in the case of depression in particular, severe depression, often with suicidal ideation and even planning, suicidal intent, medication would be the answer. Mm. And I know people that have been saved by medication. And, um, you know, uh, but I also know people that have jumped to the conclusion that they are depressed and they request medication, although they don't really, there's, there's no need for it. It's, it's a stepped care approach. Well, we, we operate a system called a stepped care approach, right? Well, well, step one, let's just see if, if uh, psychotherapy works or let's just have a proper assessment, a, a, an in-depth understanding of, of your vulnerability, a diagnosis as such. And, Maybe it's not depression, maybe it's something else. 
Mm. Uh, we have a lot of uh, chronic conditions that, that bring symptoms of hyperarousal and hyperarousal, so symptoms of depression the, uh, uh, um, and symptoms of anxiety accompany uh, chronic conditions. Pains, for instance, chronic pains, chronic fatigue, thyroid conditions, Uh, a variety of ulcers and so on. And we're all human beings. We all know that if we go through, even if we have flu, we're going to be a little bit depressed. We're not going to be on top of the world. We're not going to feel great. And it's just a flu, right? But it is an episode of depression that accompanies that. Now, Mm -hmm. if we we fall into panic and we start worrying about it, oh my goodness me, if we start ruminating, going over it time and time again, telling ourselves that, oh my goodness, this is coronavirus. This is not just any flu. We don't really know the long-term impact of coronavirus. And this is probably going to be awful. And this is going to actually, if I have any of these symptoms, in spite of my, my um, COVID-19 uh, injection and so uh, flu jab, uh, then uh, it must be serious. This is probably going to have a, an impact in the long run. I might develop some sort of tumor or God, and I go over it and over it and over it. It all started with an episode of flu. I'll buy it, COVID-19 flu or whatever. But it could evolve into pathology, a mental pathology, mm, mm, mm. which is the case actually post-COVID-19 now. Uh, even those that have been uh, jabbed uh, and had double doses or three doses, even, uh, if they have developed symptoms of uh, COVID-19, uh, even when they're mild, People's expectation sometimes is that they're never going to get any flu symptoms anymore. And if that happens, they become very, very anxious. And this could be uh, uh, the beginning of a much more serious uh, anxiety disorder mm. or even more disorder. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. Keep an eye on, 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 on your tendencies and keep track of your mind. Absolutely, absolutely. So medication really is important. Research shows it. Um, it is effective. Having said that, it's not the only solution. So it can go hand in hand with a talking therapy or CBT therapy. And that's Correct. really the better option is, is, is those two working together. Absolutely. And outside of uh, severe depression with suicidal ideation, uh, I have seen people suffering from uh, feeling hopeless, helpless, suffering from more mild, moderate uh, levels of depression, anxious people, and so on. Uh, individuals that cannot really be diagnosed or categorized or, or as such. And it, I know it sounds awful to categorize people's illnesses, but unfortunately, this is the business that I'm in. And that's how we make sense of things. But I know people who have made tremendous improvement with help from, from other types of therapies, you know, existential uh, analysis. Uh, I know existential psychotherapy is a very mm. uh, useful form of psychotherapy and, and a tremendous progress, uh, you know, and even without medication, you know. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of advice out there. But it sounds like it's also it's very of- difficult to, to generalize in any way. Every case is individual and it's about looking at the individual. That's the whole point and, and, and what the best plan is based on yeah. their needs and, and how we can best support them. Yeah. I mean, a responsible CBD therapist uh, would, would, would offer you to begin with uh, just an initial, an initial session, an assessment. 
And mm -hmm. then even if it's a self-referral, it doesn't come from a GP for a specific, with a specific diagnosis or treatment, even for a self-referral, I can ask, well, you know, let's sit down. Let's, let's go through this initial session. This initial stage is called an assessment. Let me try and make sense of what's going on. And then I'll be able to recommend the best way forward. Exactly. But sometimes the best way forward is working maybe with an existential psychotherapist, mm. right? Mm. It's, it's, we don't know until we sit down and have, a, have an understanding of what's going on of that vulnerability. And I feel that that's really good advice because it's so difficult if you feel that you have um, a mental health problem or you're struggling, you then want to speak to someone, but it's so overwhelming the amount of information and what's out there. So th the advice seems to me just to start somewhere, find someone who's accredited, accredited have an initial meeting, explain yes. what's happening, and that person, whether it's them or someone else, will be able to point you in the right direction for you absolutely and you know remember when it comes to accreditations um if you want cbt then there's babcp if you want any other type of psych therapy we have ukcp and hpc and uh bacp these are the big four you know mm. so keep an eye out for the big four <laughs> you've got the 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 therapist you you're going to see has to be accredited at least by one if not more uh, of of those uh, or, or uh, associations, mm. or, and 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 if they are fully accredited by at least one of those, then you I would say you're in safe hands. Then you're okay. Well, thank you so much. You've really shed a lot of light um, on CBT on mental health in general. Um, so really, I thank you very much for that. Now, you're very experienced in your field. Um, I just wanted to finish this um, asking you what you like most about your job. What I like most about my job? Uh, it's people. It's the contact with people, with my clients is mm. why I'm doing it. Uh, mm -hmm. There's nothing like it. There's no greater reward than seeing someone through their difficulties and starting off at the very low point and then slowly but surely getting to a point where they are different, where they've changed. They're more kind of, they're able to respond to their real needs. They're able to maybe not be happy, but be happier. <laughs> more confident, more confident, more assertive. Uh, it's amazing. There's nothing like it. I completely agree. It's a very privileged job. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. we, we were very lucky. We're very lucky. I've been doing this for 30 years and I don't regret it one bit. I, I you know, it's, uh, I don't look back for a moment. I, I wouldn't know what else to do. I, yeah, it's an amazing mm. position to be in. It really is. Well, thank you very much for everything today. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And thank you again for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Finding Psychotherapy by me, Carla Vacoisa. I always love to engage with my listeners. So if you have any thoughts, questions or queries, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram on Finding Psychotherapy.
This podcast has been edited by Iceni Studios and the music is by David Rhodes.